the question of what are you holding up the app in case you guys want to tell anybody about it (laughs) (laughs) kevin wants you to know about the app um (laughs) let's uh we'll we'll circle back to it don't let us forget to come back to that um if you read between the lines in the gospel, and Jesus knows this, and he's just waiting for the the, the, the people to figure it out, is that there's not really those two camps. There aren't the righteous and the sinners. There are the sinners who know they're sinners, and that's why they run up to Jesus and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. This episode of The Men's Show was sponsored by Select International Tours, awesome awesome partners of ours. We really appreciate their support for this show. You can check them out at selectinternationaltours.com. Hey, stay frosty, extraordinary ladies and gentlemen. Back to the show. What uh, else are we talking about? Themensshow.com if you want to join our patron community and make sure to check out theawakenapp.io. Um, all Hi-o. right. So second, uh, second topic, who wants to bring this one in? Do you guys need a quick beverage break or anything like that? I'm good. You're good. good. All right. Maybe, good maybe, maybe the second after the second one. Maybe I'll have a. Who wants to start? This Ethan, bring out. us something. Water type things. Also, Ethan. <sighs> Ethan's our new producer in the background. Ethan, the next come time, in here. The next time we do a live stream, we're gonna have a camera on Ethan in the control awesome. room. So that's super exciting. Ethan can. I just want a laugh cam. A laugh cam. <laughs> maybe later. All right. Okay. So we're talking about. We're talking about the Eucharist. We're talking about, um, golly, we're talking about receiving the Eucharist. Here's 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 a question. Okay, if you were to go back a few hundred years in the church, um, actually, if you read like Saint Teresa Lisieux's autobiography or, or the some of the writings of her parents, um, just a few short hundred years ago, people didn't receive the Eucharist very often. Like they, they, like they didn't bathe very often either. <laughs> I don't know if it was for the same reason. You know, maybe it was spiritually. I don't know. <laughs> actually, oh, that's interesting. Like, actually, there's this, there's this book that we have again from I think a couple hundred years ago describing the the, the prayer life of a, of a child. You know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's, it's all in rhyme. It's this beautiful you know old book that we have, and it talks about the the kid like like once a year. Uh, a very special thing. They're going to confession. They're getting all ready. The whole family's getting all ready to receive the Eucharist, so that it wasn't the nor- like as it was normal for us now to be receiving all the time. Okay, so now in canon law, I mean in in the, the teaching of the church, it's not that anything that we're that that is wrong. And the church has encouraged us to to make ourselves to avail ourselves of this great sacrament, this great opportunity that we have in the modern world to receive frequently the Eucharist. The question is this: this question of receiving worthily, and there's there's a lot of things we can talk about tonight. There's the, the question of um, not receiving uh, in a state of mortal sin. That's one of the things you don't do. You you don't do if you if you, you need to go to confession. Um, but also even just the question of like what is what does it really mean to receive worthily? To not discern, as it says in the New Testament, to discern the body and blood of Jesus. Because if you if you receive without discerning that, whatever that means. Then you you eat and drink condemnation on yourself. Mm. So the, receiving worthily would seem to be only even more important in an age where we receive frequently. So I just figured we'd talk about that. Yeah. What does it mean to receive worthily? What does it mean to prepare well to receive the Eucharist? Well, at, at its base, uh, you know, fundamental uh, principle, it would be like you said, not receiving well in a state of mortal sin. Yeah. Right. Uh, to me, though. The question of what do you holding up the app in case you guys want to tell anybody about it? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin wants you to know about the app. Um, <laughs> let's uh, we'll, we'll circle back to it. Don't let us forget to come I back won't. to that. Um, 
But to me, uh, where were we at here? The the receiving worthily. Yes. Um, mortal sin. Mortal sin. To me, there's a, a, a fundamental question that doesn't get asked enough, and that is, how easy is it to mortally sin? Yeah, what, I love that question. Yeah, what is what is a mortal sin, right? And and we can give the the basic church the church's basic criteria, but I think it bears some discussion always because. Yeah. Um, I think I got them here someplace. I mean, we can say them generally. I don't uh, know if I have the exact wording that the catechism has. I've got it. Nail it. Do it. Mort- this is from uh, the Catechism 1859. Mortal sin requires full knowledge and complete consent. It presupposes knowledge of the sinful character of the act, of its opposition to God's law. It also implies a consent sufficiently deliberate to be a personal choice. Feigned ignorance and hardness of heart do not diminish, but rather increase the voluntary character of a sin. Um, there's a there's a bunch more. It's a great section on it. Um, real quick, for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be met that are super important. First, the uh, let me get back here. The mortal sin is sin whose object is grave matter, and which is also committed with full knowledge and deliberate consent. So, grave matter. matter. Full knowledge, knowledge, deliberate consent. consent of will. So a lot of times we use, for the first one, the grave matter, a lot of times we use the Ten Commandments as kind of a barometer of, like, is it grave matter? And we kind of consider a violation of the Ten Commandments of any of them to be grave matter, by and large, but not necessarily across the board, right? So mm-hmm. we actually just had Deacon Harold uh, Burke Sivers here in, in one of the episodes that we recorded with him. He gave a really, uh, I think, important... Uh, explanation of the difference between the different kinds of like bearing false witness for example so you might look at the commandment to not bear false witness as just an across the board lying at all for any reason is a mortal sin and and deacon harold proposed that that's not explicitly the case that there are lies that can damage someone there are lies that can hurt someone there are lies that or, or not even necessarily lies even the implication that bearing false witness is just about lying you know you could be gossiping about someone you could be slandering destroying someone's name that type of lying or gossiping or whatever that type of false witness is mortal sin but if you were if i were to tell john mark uh i bought a donkey today the the moral weight of that lie is like a feather what, what if i got like really excited about the fact that you had a pet donkey if i told you that because i knew how much you like donkeys and it like could lead you to Just tears crushed. at I'm the crushed. thought of I'm getting crushed. to pet my donkey upstairs if i was trying to hurt you through that that'd be different what if, what if we were reenacting jesus riding in on a donkey and rob was supposed to play him and all of a sudden With this donkey, donkey is moment. the most this was rob's big thing. moment i often play the donkey in yes. the spotlight <laughs> no no you're playing jesus did i say it oh, wrong my oh, bad okay. my bad okay. if i said it I wrong my confused. bad but i think we're <clears throat> i mean this could be bad i think we're getting off the just saying <laughs> no this is we sold tickets to this event <laughs> no but but i think that that's yeah. important because a lot of times we can be very scrupulous about like i we especially when we're like pursuing uh, faith and and we're trying to become holy we're trying to be uh, you know, the best Catholics we can be, we can be really scrupulous and we can end up being unfair and and um, unmerciful to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And now that's not to say we should like be okay with sinning, but it is important for us to acknowledge we aren't many of us, we aren't probably in a mortal state as often as we think we might be. So if you're addicted to something, 
like masturbation. Mm-hmm. If you're actually addicted, and it is possible to be addicted, in fact, it's very, very possible to be addicted to that, you actually don't have the same type of freedom to really not do that. That deliberate consent of will is a little bit it's, it's attenuated fuzzier. there. Yeah. Or, or same thing with like an alcohol uh, addiction. Like you, you really, really have to go through, you know, some type of, of therapy or, or a process, you know, 12 step process. You need something that will help you. You can't just like will it, white knuckling it mm-hmm. on your own. And, and it's a very real thing. And the same goes for a lot of different kinds of things. And so like, you know, mortal sin, like it, it really does take a lot for something to actually be a mortal sin. Well, but we'll also, hmm, I think, the, getting too caught on the external act of like I committed a mortal sin versus I am in a state in my life where I am cut off from God. You know, hmm. I feel like, you know, it can be yeah. a number of sins or a path or something we've been on for hmm. some time. And like we can get it in place. We are like we are no longer living in God's grace and we're yeah. cut off from God. And I don't, you know— to me, you know, being like, I think the externals are important to consider and discern uh, and very well can be indications that we cut ourselves off from God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the clarity of which, I mean, I think it takes a lot of discernment and prayer. Yeah. I think it's specifically a matter of discernment. And, prayer. and we're getting into a subtle, but I think important aspect of this whole discussion. I mean, Someone can correct me if I'm really, really wrong here, but it, it appears to me that again in the church, in the catechism, in the documents of the church, the church uses the term grave matter significantly. It uses the, that term uh, for like NFP, right? You yeah. Know, like you, you, if uh, if a couple discerns for a grave reason that they they need to space out the, the kids, then they can decide to not have sex, whatever. Um, for a grave reason, but is it, does it give you a list, like a nice shopping list of those grave reasons? Well, no. And I think there's 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 significance there because the, again this gets back to our, our last episode that like we as individuals have a, a grave responsibility to discern honestly and sincerely you know our our relationship with our spiritual director with the church like um, it's I can't look into your life and and say definitively you know the state that you are in that is right. something that you have to figure out with God and the church and your priest you know. Uh, and so, and so do I have to mind, and, that, and that's not any excuse to, for that people can just like make up their own truth. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying right. that, um, what the the whole picture of a sin, the external content, as you're talking about, Rob, but also like what was really going on in my heart. Again, the external thing might be a very small tip of the iceberg. Someone might tell you that was no big deal that you, right. you know, that you brushed <laughs> off that person, where you may know in your heart how deliberate that was, mm. what you intended. Yes, you you may have intended to hurt someone badly yes so again the point is is the church's moral theology recognizes the whole phenomenon of sin there's the external act mm-hmm. and its content and its nature and that's important but there's also what you were intending what you knew how much you really meant it and some of those questions don't have easy on off answers mm-hmm. and so again it, it, it pr- places a very high responsibility a grave responsibility to take sin seriously to discern it carefully and i don't know what else to say on that particular yeah. no but that's super solid <laughs> you made a good point uh before the podcast started about how some saints in their lives as they've continued on their journey you know they felt more cut off from god from vi- what seemingly very small things right you know 
you had things mentioned. that we would brush off. On yeah, a day-to-day basis. right. Mm-hmm. And um, and are they know, are they just scrupulous? Are they just being silly? Or hey, you made it this far. It's time to refresh that drink and grab another cigar. But hey, while we're doing that, please check out selectinternationaltours.com, our sponsor for this episode of the Men's Show. They're great partners of the show. We appreciate their support. We'll see you when you get back. Yeah, are they, you know, have they become grave in their life because they of their relationship with God? And I can't answer that. Right. I have no idea. Um, well, maybe, I mean, I, maybe they're seeing the uh, sin for what it is. Maybe, again, that's what it this is. question yeah. of knowledge, that's what it is. I can only see faintly the greatness of God because I'm not a very holy guy. But I can also see, only see the, the grossness, the awfulness of sin for the same reason. Yeah. Whereas if you, you proceed down that path, they actually get a glimpse more of who God is, but also of the, the travesty that sin is. Mm-hmm. So there is, again, that's what you see in the lives of the saints, them um, being so remorseful, even over very small offenses against our Lord. Well, we see even biologically that our, our bodies work a similar way to our spirits when it comes to sin. Like our bodies work with example, uh, or for example, with alcohol, similarly to what we're describing here. So like the more entrenched in a life of debauchery that you are the the more alcohol it takes for you to really be aware like oh i am under the influence now Mm. but if you rarely have a sip when you have a sip or half a glass you're gonna be like oh i feel this yes and and so that kind of reminds me of the example of the Mm. saints that you brought up like you know it's not a question of like certain sins not being wrong for us that are wrong for them it's like they are more attuned to the wrongness or the effect of it the impact of it because they aren't swimming in it like we might right. be right yeah we always got to set again this is this gets back to the the fundamental fundamental inability to really judge another person we can judge their externality of their act mm-hmm. the content of it we never know well, what do they really like what does it mean to know that something's wrong like does my kid know something's wrong does my my eight-year-old does my 10-year-old know that like what a person really knows is not something I on the outside can tell about them. They mm-hmm. have to kind of discern that and figure out how much did I know and, and to what degree did I fully deliberately will this thing. Yeah. No one can answer that for them. They have this grave responsibility in the sight of God to discern that and answer that and be apologetic, you know, to to yeah. But when in doubt, you know, my I mean my disposition has always been one get to confession. You know, get the confession. Yeah. And I do feel like we do have a culture that is, what do you say? Enabling. If you're going to mass, mm. you're going to receive. Like that's oh, yeah. generally everybody receives Holy Communion. And there are not a lot of people who say, you know what? I just, I'm, I'm not sure, or I know I'm not in the place. You know, I don't see that yeah. conclusion drawn very often. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, should we be more, more discerning than we are. And again, we can't answer that for somebody else. I will say, I would talk to my, my buddy from Peru. Sometimes about we can. In the, if they're like, publicly, I support this sin, and it's bad, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, there really isn't a matter of discernment if you're like a public official who's I like, take pride in this sin, yeah, like, and I am pushing things for it. Some things I'm not are talking about anyone in wrong, particular. no matter who you are. This well, could be anybody. I'm going to time out. There's a whole nother topic. But it, it kind of goes into, it, like, I, we don't need to, like, do any of that. But, like, there's a little bit, like, public versus private. Like, and I, you've said this before, which I, I think is brilliant. Like, there's a difference, like, between, like, someone publicly doing it and then someone, like, privately struggling. Like, 
I have an issue with this specific thing and I'm trying like my heart out. Right. You know, like it causes scandal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which totally. is itself, you know, I mean, that's another thing too. Yeah. It, if it's causing scandal, um, then that's also an additional sin. If you're causing, if you're giving a, that's what scandal means is to give a false image of who God is. And if, if the image you're giving is that the moral, uh, doctrines of the church don't matter mm-hmm. well that, that it, that's an issue in itself what i was going to say i just didn't want to miss it my, my buddy from peru reports to me that in the catholic culture down there it's it's far more normal you know when people go up to communion well like maybe half the people go up and the rest don't that's awesome and it's again the, the presumption in everybody's mind is oh look at those terrible sinners it's just that no <laughs> that it's part of the culture there that they're they're more discerning of am i really am i have I prepared? Have I discerned worthily? Yeah. And again, this is not to be get people to be scrupulous because again, I can't discern this for anybody else other than myself. But there, there have been times that I, I have been in sin that I needed to go to confession. There have been also a few times where I didn't have one. You were talking about this earlier. One particular sin, but it's like it had it had been long enough mm-hmm. and enough enough venial stuff had just piled up. Where I just I just had a lot of anger in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, or I you know, or I just I. I just, it was my decision in that moment that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spiritually receive, I'm going to be in the presence of God. I'm, I'm going to perhaps allow God to increase my desire for him, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm going to, uh, what do you, fast from the Eucharist, abstain from the Eucharist. Abstain. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to go to confession. And that was, that was how I discerned for me. But that's, again, everyone had, your mileage may vary. You have to discern that in your spiritual life from a place of peace. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that makes perfect sense. I was, I think it was Father Mike Schmitz that I was just listening to that said that the venial sins that you commit, right, like, you know, you're absolved of them when you go to Mass, right? Like mm-hmm. right at the, the beginning. But they have uh, an inkling, or not an inkling, but they have a tendency to add up over time. And exactly what you were describing there, it's like they add up over time. And then I need to go to confession, even though the venial sins are absolved. There's some; it's almost like there's something missing, right? Mm. So I've heard people say that um, it's almost like you need a devotion to go to, con- like it's a, a separate devotion mm-hmm. to go to confession. So like confession truly does, you know, absolve you if you do it the right way. You, you know, there's there's other things about confession if you do it the right way. Yeah, yeah. but um, like it's almost like you you need it. Like Jesus doesn't need that. God doesn't need that. Mm-hmm. It's like we need that. Yeah. We need to go to someone and say, "Hey, I've messed up," yeah. and then we need counsel, we need guidance, and we need absolution as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've been thinking late, lately uh, the irony throughout the New Testament of whenever Jesus makes a distinction between the righteous and the sinners. Right? I didn't come for the righteous. Came for the sinners, mm-hmm. and of course, like half the room is like, "Oh, thank heavens, he's he's for there for those those terrible people, right?" Mm-hmm. And the, of course, the irony <laughs> is that that if you read between the lines in the gospel, and Jesus knows this, and he's just waiting for the the the, the, pe- the people to figure it out, is that there, there's not really those two camps. There aren't the righteous and the sinners. There are the sinners who know they're sinners, and that's why they run up to Jesus and say, "Son of David, have mercy on me. I I, I need healing from this sin. I need healing from this leg. I need healing from this mm-hmm. leprosy. Yeah. I." am in need. I am fundamentally weak and incapable on my own. I need your help. And then there's those people who some for some reason think that they don't need the Lord. Yeah. There isn't the righteous and the sinners. There's the sinners and those who realize that they're sinners and need mercy. So let's address that. Let's let's Beautiful. look at uh this is going to be what we end this conversation on. Um looking at the reality that we're sinners, that we're in need of mercy. Uh, or the analogy that, you know, we're sick in need of a doctor, we're sick in need of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, looking at the Eucharist as food for the journey. Yeah. And I, I've just I've heard it discussed, and I understand where they're coming from when this when this is said. Yep. That being food for the journey, and that we are, you know, sinners in need of that help. Yeah. That the Eucharist, even if we are in a state of sin. Now I don't know if they meant mortal or venial, but right. mm-hmm. the principle here, mm-hmm. um, being in a state of sin, all the more we need the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that for uh, three minutes. I, w- I wouldn't question. take that to mean like to receive. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't mean that to to receive when you are aware that you are cut off from God. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like that's difficult to uh, state this, to, I for, mean, there for one thing, this more... is like what John Mark has been saying this whole time. Like you, we got to discern that yeah. with our pastor, mm-hmm. spiritual director, we got to discern that privately on some level. Yeah. But I think, so he, I think there's a, there's a truth and there's a potential falsity yeah. to that. Agreed. The, the truth there is that in one sense, yes. Again, like, again, think of the people in the gospel. There was no one who was so unworthy or so sinful that it was wrong for them to run up to Jesus and ask him for healing and ask for whatever gift he would want to give them. Yeah. And so there, there's a there's a truth to the sense that the the greater sinner we are, the more that we need that that the body and blood of Christ. Now, the the difficulty and the danger there is that how do you know that you're discerning properly? How do you know that you're really not just presuming on God's mercy? Well, that's what we have the sacrament of confession. We have this mm-hmm. this place specifically to go to be sure. How do we be sure? Because we're actually going to say it out loud. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna prove to ourselves that we really are sorry, that we really do want God's mercy, that we right. really do know that we're a sinner, and yeah. we're gonna receive the specific sacramental healing that God has given us for that. And so we should use that. I yeah. guess that's all I have to say about that. And not receiving <laughs> in in some ways, not receiving is a way of you recognizing to God. That you were unworthy. Right. Like a repentant, like it holds you accountable to a repentant uh, approach to that circumstance. Not That's like, been, not one of like, uh, what I'm doing is okay enough for me to, like, it, it really forces you to acknowledge, like, I've made some mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that there's a component going back to our last conversation about authority. There's a component of it that is like humbling to do it God's way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rather than just the way we want. Like yeah. if Jesus gave us the sacrament of confession and that's where he administers his healing, that's where we should be going for it. Amen, brother. Preach it. Uh Preach all it. right. That's that's the conversation on communion and receiving or or abstaining. That's, that's our messy synodal conversation. Yes. <laughs> We're just like alive in the synodality tonight. I'm feeling it. Love that. I'm so, feeling the synodality. Mm, it feels and it feels good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty warm in here. It's pretty, it's pretty warm. warm. There was a wild colonial boy. Jack Duggan was his name. He was born and raised in Ireland in a place called Castle, Maine. He was but his father's only son, his mother's pride and joy. We're back on it. And clearly did his parents love the wild colonial boy. Ethan's carrying us in there. Does Ethan know this? At the early age of 16 years, he left his native home. 
And to Australia's sunny shore, he was inclined to roam. I lost it. He robbed the rich, he helped the poor, he shot James McAvoy. A terror to Australia was the wild color. 